Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. A lot of people said that they thought last week's was incredibly fun. I thought it was really good as well. Esther had a problem with it. I think immediately realising, as I was saying it, that I had absolutely zero grasp on any aspect of economics. And I thought that cutting stamp duty would invigorate the housing market and make houses much cheaper. Did you say that in the podcast? Yeah, I went on and on and on about it. And then I was listening back was to that thinking, then in it? Oh, yeah, that was in it. I used- no, you were very... You, but you very, very nicely did not, like, do a big mansplain going... I just thought you Ben want- would remove I- it. I don't know what the fuck is my wife talking about. <laughs> I was so stressed about the hack and everything on your email and about the general kind of... I was quite jangly last week. And I just did that thing where you just have to say whatever comes up on your mind. And it was, and it was that. That's what you're supposed to do in a podcast. Should we start? Okay, let's go. Right, we've got a little bit of housekeeping at the top of this podcast. We have. In a rare fit of organisation. As Ben said, welcome to Series 8. We've got a running order. We've got a running order for the first time. And we're very excited because as sort of happened last week, but we were in a... Bad state. We were in a bad place. About because I'd been hacked and all that, which we'll come to. Uh, We were all excited because there was loads of stuff in the papers and we didn't really get to it. This week, it's so much stuff in the papers. Even more. That we have to really crack on. Yeah, we do. So, housekeeping, number one. Number one, the builders. Oh, yes. Okay. Apologies. Literal housekeeping. Literal housekeeping. (laughs) They're... But they're knocking our house down. They, they, the room above us, they've taken the roof off. They've done it in a morning, which seems a bit fast. Seems a little bit quasi-quartang. Right, off with the roof, pow! You know, <laughs> I thought normally there'd have been a bit more. They chucked up a tarpaulin and they've pulled all the slates down. So if it starts raining, we're going to get wet. But we, we previously, with the building next door, we'd asked the builders next door to stop for an hour while we did our podcast. But these builders are on our money. So they're just going to crack on through. They're on our and time. If it goes, if there's a really loud bang. That's Sorry. what it is. Sorry. Uh, second on the list is um, a big deal for us, which is that John Witherow, who's edited the Times for about ten years, has left. Yes, I mean it, it's all—it's not on, not under a cloud or anything. It was announced in the paper this morning. I suspect because people don't know 
these kinds of this might be the first this podcast that a lot of times readers are hearing it mm. um and also you know if you were just a sort of a reader of a newspaper the, the the editor changes who cares uh it's not really a big deal for the readers it's a very very massive huge big deal for everybody who works at the newspaper particularly with john because john was john was became the editor of the Sunday Times in 1994 and then edited the Sunday Times for years and made So it- long ago that he took over from Andrew Neil, who's oh 138 God. years old and it's hard <laughs> to imagine that he was ever a newspaper editor. Exactly. John took over from him, made the Sunday Times great. A he kind made, of yeah, he and- made the Sunday Times into the thing that you want to buy and read on a Sunday. And then he, there's going to be a new editor and new editors, however perfectly all right they are they are always new a, a new broom is never madly welcome in a newspaper except in this occasion it is is it well because he's going to be our boss so i was great also it hasn't been announced yet but it's tony gallagher uh, and it will who's been the deputy for a while and frankly i think the only man who could have taken over from john a towering journalist a, cent- a 21st century uh, and icon. also very handsome very handsome really really nice so yeah. sensible i mean yeah, it's really great excellent guy. Uh, and uh you I know mean, new editors do have a really annoying habit of firing everyone almost but... everybody they fire particularly <laughs> columnists the i just don't know I, I, you know it's I've, I've met tony once or twice um, don't really know how he feels about the columns, the podcast, everything else. Yeah, exactly. In fact, if this podcast isn't published on Friday morning, I think we'll know what Tony Gallagher thinks about well, the columns. fingers crossed. Do we want to, in our little housekeeping section, mention the competition to win? Oh, yes, of course. Yeah. Also, luckily this week, he can't find me this week because any <laughs> of you who are subscribers will have received an email this week saying that Times Plus is being relaunched. The great thing for Times subscribers where you get... Um, and this is not me advertising, it's just me advertising. You get, you know, all kind of events and stuff like that. They've relaunched Times Plus and they seem to have done it with lots of pictures of me. And it comes in and there's my picture from a while ago looking young and handsome. And then also there's a competition, the first new Times Plus competition. It's a competition to win dinner with me at one of my favourite restaurants. What about that, darling? Well, if you want to sit opposite Giles while he fiddles with his phone for an hour and a half, be my guest. No, I- it's fun. There's Giles is, it's like Giles is, in his element in a restaurant. It's really weird. He's Waiter! A, yeah, exactly. Bring so, me your finest capon he's, he's, and the bottom he, of the wine list. He moans and moans and moans about he's, how he doesn't know anything about food and he doesn't like food and he doesn't like restaurants and it's all boring. But when Giles is in a restaurant, it's like he he sort of comes alive and it's and genuinely... As opposed it, to on this podcast when I sit here like a turd. <laughs> it's really, really, really fun. So if you haven't entered the competition yet... And I, I pay the bill. And he pays the bill and I won't be there because I have done restaurants with Giles for 10 years and I am bored out of my skull with restaurants. And so frankly are all my friends, which is and why I, I have to have competitions with strangers. I don't have to go, so I don't. But listen, we're going to a restaurant called Brat with a Welsh chef called Thomas Parry and it's just a brilliant so restaurant. Good. It's, it's so good. It's Brat. in Shoreditch. It's super expensive. It's got a Michelin star, but it's also funky and hipsterish. It's really great. I think it's like four readers plus their partners, me and some cool marketing people, and I suspect. Money. Uh, and some <laughs> and money. And a big of pile money. of money. Uh, and, you, and the competition is really easy as well. You just have to write... How great is Giles Corrin in a hundred words? Why I want to not really. It's just a button. No, you, you don't. You, you just click, click a button. You literally you, just click a button. Click a button. And you don't have to like me at all. Yeah. Uh, uh, and of course, so the second ha- prize is <laughs> dinner the next day as well with Giles Corrin. Um, 
But look, also the other thing I think we need to do, we need to say, as John Witherow, yeah. our favourite editor, the best editor I've ever worked for, honestly, no shit. He's the first editor I've ever worked for who's made the paper profitable. And I've, I've worked under Max Hastings at the, at the Telegraph and, and uh, at, the, at the Mail and stuff. Great, great editor. What you do with an editor when they leave is you bang them out. Yeah. So um, they get up and they leave, they walk through the newsroom and it's incredibly emotional when it happens. And you bang them out and everyone sits at their desks and everyone whacks on their and, desks. But, and we weren't in the office yesterday, so we weren't there we for it. But we're going we're, to do it here. Okay, we're never in the office. Well, no, we're never in the office, but we did know, Roland, my my editor on the comment page, said it feels like there's going to be an announcement today. But I wasn't going to schlep in on the Northern Line just in case the announcement was John's doing (laughs) another 40 years. (laughs) We don't like John that much. (laughs) (laughs) So we'll bang him out now. Right, three, two, one. No, it's not like that. You're doing it in the wrong pace. It's not like that. It's like this. It's like funereal. Yeah. Oh, is it? Yeah, you see, you've never been at a bang out. What is this? Like you're tenderizing steak. <laughs> God, you get everything. Okay, sorry. Is that really the trick? Yeah, you me, go like this. It's not so important I've never had to go in the office, whereas you've been a sort of desk flunky. I have, I have so what, been a desk flunky. So what do we do? You go like this. It's a funereal march pace. Dum, dum, da, dum. No, wait, that's the Star Wars music. That's, <laughs> that's <laughs> Darth Vader. Take a long time to tenderize a fucking steak at this point. John Wither is nothing like Darth Vader. I promise. He's a bit like Darth Vader. Okay, as as um as mentioned before, I mean we do just have a complete embarrassment of riches, and I my running order is like now completely. Well, we got to go with the, we got to go with Keir because you know Keir's speech yesterday. During it, I was in the car driving. I can't remember where back from a meeting on the way to get Sam from school or something, and texting you. Obviously, I pulled over and put the handbrake on, and then texted you uh, to say that I was going to be ten minutes late or something. I'm, are you listening to Keir's speech? It's yeah. brilliant. Yeah, and I'm basically a Tory these days so you know that's a thing uh and uh, and I just thought it was absolutely great and it was it was measured it attacked the right things um and suddenly he looks like he's going to be prime minister I do slightly somewhat feel and I was saying this on Times Radio this morning that uh, with these Tories probably Jeremy Corbyn could have been prime minister I don't think he actually needed someone as good as Keir uh the, the lack of a, of a of a of a Blairite personality of a messianic that that doesn't matter. That was possibly a weakness of. We don't. Blair needed that to get him over the line. Keir's just going to pick up this well, administration. Well, I, mean, I mean, you know, voting is often about you know, governments are voted out, not necessarily governments are voted in, and a, an election is about getting your own voters to turn out for you rather than expecting people to switch sides. The thing about the Red Wall, where where families who'd voted Labour for you know 150 years suddenly voted Tory, that was a real no- anomaly. I mean, there was a small amount of sort of swing voters who will who might who will kind of you know change their minds, but mostly, you know, you vote the way that you vote, and you either turn up to the polls or you don't. That's just some searing political analysis. It's nearly as good as your stuff about stamp duty last week. I was week. waiting for you to say you, that. As ha- I was talking, I was waiting for you to say that. <laughs> the housing crash this week, the predicted housing market crash, yeah. is entirely due to time. It's my fault. To my podcast listeners listening yeah. to you talking about, oh, stamp duty will make the health prices come down. I, liter- I, I literally cannot, can barely count to 20. I, I, but it's, look, also, it's really, really, really confusing. It is confusing. But it listen, is really confusing. Um, but it's, listen, so look, so, so Keir Starmer is now very, he's just in 2025, He's probably going to be prime minister. Uh, we had uh, this budget, which on the face of it looked quite good for rich people like us. And I thought, woohoo, the, 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 the budget should be so helpful to us by lowering the top rate of tax, by postponing the 6% yeah. corporation tax dividend, by 
by taking off the 1.25 national insurance right there. All these things just giving us, you know, tens of thousands of pounds more money. It's obviously bad for everyone else. And it was terrible. Which and most people, which most people in our bracket have already factored in to their financial planning anyway so it's like this isn't one of those podcasts where we pretend to be poor i'm sorry no, we, no, we earn a living and we've what? got some you cash really, you really really can't it's sort of patronizing and stupid to pretend that, that like that all those guardian really. podcasts where they'll pretend not to have a gleaner okay, oh sorry I thought, I thought you said a gleaner and i was like oh another member of staff like, <laughs> a gleaner what are they doing um, a cleaner yeah no, so no. what we have is basically two and a half years until this government is thrown out to take advantage of all the tax benefits we've got and then put the money in the bank and put the money no give the money to charity darling give the money to charity I mean Fuel Poverty UK it's an excellent charity if you've got a bit of few spare beans left over give it to them and cheer on the arrival of Keir but why is it significant for us that Keir Starmer will become Prime Minister because he's our next door neighbour yay I keep saying that Vicky Starmer who's his wife is my friend she's not she just walks past my house sometimes and she's like forced to smile at me I wrote a column a year ago saying I don't mind Keir Starmer he lives up the road my wife likes his wife. And Vicky emailed to say that... No, I don't. She likes my <laughs> She's weird. She likes my wife. Oh, good. They're friends. And I see... Keir was... I, I met Keir next door at the party, literally next door to our house. He lives a couple of doors up. You see him plonking around the place in his big shiny shoes. And <laughs> in his Kia. Driving his Kia. <laughs> driving his... Yeah. Kia... Uh, sorry, can I just reiterate this? Keir Starmer drives a Kia. Does he actually drive a Kia? <laughs> yeah. Have we done this before on the podcast? Yes. About seven times. I know, but it's it's just crazy. It's like I drive a car called an Esta. Yeah. No, I understand why you think it's funny. <laughs> I'm going to hop into my Ford Jiley and off I'll go. It's just so mad of the range of cars that you could pick to drive. You chose a Kia. Um, sorry, it's actually it's really not funny. But you actually drive a Kia as well. I do, but my name's Esther. I do, although I did used to drive a Fiesta. <laughs> you did. Esther in her Fiesta. That's quite funny. But I didn't, cho- I didn't choose that car. No. You chose that car. Okay, let's move on from this. So how could you possibly turn this into a column? Oh, come on. I mean, look, so, I've, so he is the third Labour leader in a row to be our neighbour, isn't he? Yeah. Corbyn's constituency abuts ours at the top of the road just by Tufnell Park. He, I, I was his neighbour in a street called Whitehall Park. Neither of us lives there now, so that's fine. And he was four doors down from me in the 90s. So he was my... You see him around here. You see him up... At, I saw him up at the Tufnell Park football with Sam playing there and got a selfie with him uh, after the last election. Um, Corbyn and, Miliband. And Miliband lives... Well, literally two streets he's up. He's now got three or four kitchens, actually. Yeah, he's got so many. It's just only he's so had to buy the house next door because he's just being just just like yeah, no room to sleep in the, yeah, in the kitchen house. All the and, and so and they've all been hopeless losers who are unlikely to 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 become leaders. Although, frankly, this government has made it look so awful that itself looks so awful that Ed Miliband is looking really statesmanlike and great at the moment. I think. Oh, Ed Miliband's all right. Yeah, we met him at that party. We met him with Kiss. Oh, he's lovely. Yeah, yeah. And with Alistair Campbell. We had so nice basically, I could just write a column about because like when when Boris came in, I wrote. And Cameron and I, I, I sort of, all of them, I found ways to write columns. Oh, it's somebody a bit like me has become but prime minister. The thing minister. is that if you do that now, then you've, you, you've got nothing to write when he does actually become prime minister. Or we'll, we'll, we'll all be dead or the dolphins will be in charge by 2025, let's face it. Exactly. So um, it's okay, just right, like, look, let's, let's move, on, let's, about, move on, let's move on, let's move on, let's move on. Really? Uh, so maybe, maybe, maybe. Okay, you can so, insights into Keir Starmer, no? What insights do you have into Keir Starmer? He's like a nice policeman. Yeah. <laughs> is that what you're What's going on here then? Yeah. Hello. Hello, hello, hello. There'll be more from Esther and me in our kitchen after a short interlude. But to find out what I wrote about in the end, why not pick up a subscription to The Times and The Sunday Times and enjoy one month absolutely free? 
Just search thetimes.co.uk forward slash Giles Corrin has no idea. I've been promised that this will take you to an amazing offer rather than just a website created by Ben randomly containing all my broadcasting mistakes. Although I'm sure that exists somewhere, it's just going to be up to you to find it. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Um. Now, I've got here... You. I mean, I've got... You've got, oh, too many got, stories. got too many stories. Um, no, but then, okay, so fine. Uh, what about, think you can beat a chimpanzee in a fight? You want to do that one? I think, actually, if you were going to go do, do a serious one, yeah. I think your woodcock one. Let's just briefly go through the woodcock story. Have you got it there, love? Leaving aside the word, the fact, the sort of the hilarity in the name, it's, you know, with wood and cock. Oh, grow up. Both mean the same thing. <laughs> Sorry. <sighs> How much cock would a woodcock cock if a wood suck could suck cock? Uh, it's the, the, I, I had a picture. I, this one I did cut out. Not one Ooh, a picture of Gwyneth Paltrow gold. Can we come back to that? Yeah, if, we, if we absolutely have to. Holding on to her boob. <sighs> Teeny weeny Another day. Boob. There we go. Another 50 year old lady in the paper with no clothes on. Well, should we just briefly talk about that then? Well, we can if Was we Was that going to make it difficult for Ben to edit? Should we go woodcock and then come back? No, let's do let's do naked ladies first. So, so here, so we have. So I take my woodcock out of my hand. <laughs> it's a, it's a sort of an assault on the senses today because we've got Helena Christensen and Gwyneth Paltrow following quite hot on the heels of uh, Jennifer Lopez. Jennifer Lopez a few weeks ago advertising her booty balm, and she was fifty as well, and she did this photo. So Helena Christensen, fifty three. Yeah, comma fifty three, and Gwyneth, comma fifty, comma. So Helena Christensen has posed in a bikini. I think it's knickers, isn't it? Kind of underwear. And a bra. I don't know. It didn't look, darling. I just flicked past it. Scuffled oh, off did. to the loo with it. <laughs> oh, uh, Helena Christensen, 53. In, but posing in her bra and knickers. And I, everyone going, oh, she looks so amazing. And yeah, fine. Any woman in her bra and knickers looks, looks okay. But she's a 53-year-old woman who is not fat, who's all in proportion because she was a supermodel. She's lying down and she's blast lit. Under which conditions even I would look fine. Um, Wouldn't I, darling? No, um, but no, but, but also it's her. It, it, I it, it's, her it's no, it's very. It's look. It's very. It's it's not fair. It's not fair. Gwyneth Paltrow works out for one hour every day, six days a week, and I know this because I looked it up the other day. Jennifer Lopez works out for like they all do that. They have a special diets. They work out for it. It is their job to look like that, and when you 
it's 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 a completely unrealistic thing and it makes other people it makes women it just makes women feel bad. So Gwyneth is just sort of showing off. She's 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 uh well she I mean I mean I feel so good turning 50 the mother of two said ahead of the shoot. Yeah. I mean it, it okay it is and it isn't. So it's really hard because she because this is advertising for so Goop, her lifestyle wellness whatever brand you want to call it, sells a vast vast number of kind of lotions and potions and powders and you know smoothie mixes and retreats and exercise plans which purport to make you look like that presumably which you will not in a billion years because Gwyneth Paltrow is the American princess and she was born looking like that and yes she works very hard to look like that but if you don't already kind of look like that you're not gonna fucking look like that and I think it is you're true they're doing Helena Christensen at 53 they're doing Jennifer Lopez at 50 and and sorry they're not really doing Anne Widdicombe at 84 are they the other thing I want to say is that at least if you are you know in if if you're 50 or you're 42 like me you can look there are pictures of for example you know, just picking someone randomly, like Lily James, sort of looking lovely in the newspaper or whatever. She's 27 or whatever she is. So you go, okay, that's why, look, you you can dismiss it because you can go, well, yeah, they're 27. Of course, they're going to look like that. When you are confronted by a woman who is 50, who looks like that, you just think, oh, fuck. Broadly speaking, in a very kind of atavistic way, the thing that is prized about women is your, is being... So Gwynny's sort of Gwynny, who you ought to be excited about because she's successful and rich and quite funny and articulate and great, yeah. isn't that? She's saying, "I've got all that, and look at my boobs, and look They're at still my, great. look at my boobs, yeah. and look at how long and lean I am, and my wonderful clear skin and my lustrous hair." Um, and and it's and it's a real problem. And I try not to engage with any of it, and or or, or catch sight of my face in a mirror, and then everything's fine. You look very nice. Well, that's very. You that's look very, very nice, painted gold. Naked, dead on. <laughs> so, uh, so going back to my cock. wooden cock. Um, yeah. No, look, I, this is a column I could write again, serious, but again, tricky politically and socially. The decline of one of Britain's most enigmatic and endangered birds could be reversed after the government promised to rethink rules on shooting. Conservationists say recreational shooting is a key cause of declines in native populations of the woodcock, a secretive bird that lives in woodlands and feeds at night on earthworms using its long bill... Um, yeah. Now, woodcock is a is a sort of is a is a is a, is a kind of game. Um, is is a is, well, that's not even it. Shouldn't be a thing, should it? Woodcock's a bird. Our, where where we live in Gloucestershire, there's a there's a the local farmer has a shoot. He shoots pheasants. He shoots some partridges. He will not allow anyone at his shoots to shoot teal woodcock, snipe, hare, anything like that. It's just these pheasant raised birds. Other shoots they do let them. So these toffs go out to shoot. At this time they're of year, not all, they're not. They're not all they're toffs. Not okay, all toffs. okay, fine. They go out to shoot grouse. They go out to shoot pheasant. They reckon if a woodcock comes over, you can't stop them. That's why woodcock comes over at this time of day. Pow! They shoot it. Oh, that's that's a bit more interesting. And these birds are in decline. And it seems to me that at the very least, you should be like our local farmer and say, "We'll we'll shoot the stocked birds. We won't shoot the wild birds." What they're hoping, what they're hoping to do now, uh, the, the the Union of Conservation for Nature with its red list, is to persuade hunters to shorten the season so that you can only shoot them for a month in December. And Chris Packham, who I have historically, you know, the the uh, the nature guy, mm-hmm. who I've historically thought he was a bit of a sort of hysterical animal, right? It's a bit overdid it a bit, and mm-hmm. I felt you should let the country be the country, and we do have a foot in the country. We have a 
foot in Gloucestershire. I don't feel as Londoners we should go up there and go, you can't do this and you can't do that. You can't. So you, okay, fine. If you want to hunt, if you want to shoot, we don't do it, but you get on with it. Packham is saying I'm, he will take this. I don't mind. Okay, if you're going to shoot, it's not. It's not really what we want. Obviously, what we want is for them. Well, Packham would like everybody to stop killing animals for pleasure. Mm-hmm. He says he can't achieve that. Let's give the woodcock a break for a month. Mm-hmm. And I just like, when I th- and I just started to think about it, and I think I've been a coward. I've been a weed. Killing animals for fun is awful, and I should say some in the paper. And I should start with the woodcock story and say that I live out there, and say I've been on shoots though I've never shot anything. When we start, when we first went to the countryside, I, I I bought myself some. I couldn't go quite to the plus fours, but I bought myself a kit that I could go shooting in. You bought yourself some wellies. I bought myself some wellies. It's true. I've used them. They're very handy for unlocking the drains. But yeah. uh, and I actually bought the wrong kind of wellies. I went out on my first shoot with my hunter wellies, and everyone laughed as my feet got really really cold because hunter wellies are shit. You nearly what, lost the toe. I nearly lost. Did I? That's the gout. No. And the, en- <laughs> the endlessly kicking the wall with my rage. Yeah. Uh, but um, it was very, very cold. And they all laughed and said that I should have neoprene insulated mm-hmm. ones. And I've got them now. And they're so called... scurried off. Sham- and- they're called chameau. So I've got these posh ones. You've got chameaus? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. They're about 400 quid. Which, thank God for Liz Trust, I'm able to afford at the yeah. moment because of the tax. Yeah, but, for the next um, 18 months. But anyway, so I, I, but I, but I went along and I went along with these things and everyone's wearing plus fours and sort of gaiters and, and deerstalker mm. hats and shit like that and carrying their ancestral over and under Holland and Holland Edwardian silver barreled 250 grand guns and going, rah, and all with their and lovely... Spaniels. And their beautifully trained spaniels. And it's all really engrossing. And I went along on these shoots thinking maybe one day I'll pick up a gun and shoot something. And the first one I went on... There were lots and lots and lots of pheasants and we were in a sort of bank and they were flushed out by the beaters from the wood overhead. But where we were standing, we had a sort of hill behind us. So as they came over and got shot, it wasn't a long gap as they gradually fell through the air because they fell and hit the hill, if you can yeah. imagine what I'm saying. So it was blam, thump, blam, thump. And they were very good at shooting and it was just... Raining. It was like birds. watching a war. Yeah. And it was just, and there was just these chickens falling out of the sky mm-hmm. and I thought, this is horrible. And I haven't said so because... My friends do it, and my brother-in-law does it, and our local farmer does it. Jeremy Clarkson, who, who I like and is a, is a neighbour and a mate and a colleague, shoots these things, and he loves it, and he thinks it's great. So many people do that I feel if I came out against it, I'd be very unpopular with my friends. I think I'd be very popular with the readers. I think it would play well. It would clickbait. Do I dare as, do it? As, as paid members of the RSPB and as... Um, that's our son who's a paid-up member of the RSPB. Yeah, but who do you think pays for his membership? Oh, shit. <laughs> is that me? <sighs> yeah, it's in, it's, in, it's in his name because, because our son is a, is a passionate uh, fundraiser for the RSPB. And, and whenever he does like a cake sale outside or in the annual, annual street party, he always raises money for the RSPB. His first word was duck. The, uh, the funniest thing I've ever heard him say was he pointed at a pigeon and said, look at that chicken. <laughs> and it was so funny. I t- okay. I've also just realised we don't know whether our new editor shoots or not. Oh my god, that's the thing. When I was at the Evening Standard, because that's like not- Ver- yeah, Veronica Wadley was my editor when I was at the Evening Standard, and there was a list. I'm not joking. There was a list pinned up on the wall of things that you should never mention because she hated them, and and it and it was true. Like someone Such got. As- put- Oh, God, I can't remember now. But one of I remember at Tatler, Jane Proctor, the editor then, a great editor, but a sort of a, a tyrant in her own way, like editors all are. She had uh, once, she didn't like uh, French words. So in theory, you shouldn't, you know, as we all know with the you and non-you, you, should, you shouldn't say toilet, you should say loo, and you shouldn't say... Mirror, you should, should say, say looking, looking glass. But this extent, I, I, I remember I wrote my first piece I wrote for them, and they weren't, I wasn't allowed to write cliché. 
And they went, no, it's French. I go, there's no French. Jane said, we'll ask her. No, no, you can't talk to her. I remember on Veronica Wadley's list, either either you must mention or you shouldn't mention was Benenden, because that's the school that she'd been to. But I don't know if like you should mention it or you shouldn't. Under the Great John Witherow. And sorry, no. Everyone's going to tell me I'm wrong about the tempo. I don't know. The under the, they're going to say we're not really journalists. We're just oh, we're podcasting not. We're not. little fuckwits <laughs> from North London. No, under the great John Witherow, though, though, my previous comment editor, before my current one, was a chap who was very, very worried about pissing off the editor. And I said something about my Jaguar, and I didn't like Tesla's, Tesla's for whatever. You can't. I, and he said, John's got a Tesla. <laughs> uh, and, I thought, and I literally did take it out. And one of the things I'm looking forward to now that John's gone, although I'm not glad he's gone because he was a great editor and he's a good friend and he made the paper great and I wish he would stay another 10 years. And he's very handsome. Is I know about you and your thing for John. It's not just me. It's everyone. Everyone. <laughs> everyone. For everyone who meets every woman who meets John Witherow falls a little bit in love with him. Just a fact. Oh, well, that, okay, fine. Sure. Like George Clooney. Like the George Clooney of newspapers. Right. Sure We're overdoing it. He's well. going to see through. Am I- Tony's very handsome. Uh, but the thing is, <laughs> does Tony shoot and does he drive a Tesla? Because if Tony doesn't drive a Tesla, I can stick it to fucking Elon Musk. Right. Well, let's stick that one behind So we wait until we found out whether the new editor shoots, shoots before I come out against shooting. Against shooting. Good exactly. Plan. Fine. Well A little insight for you there into the workings of newspapers. I've got one here. Would you know what I was talking about if I said, I've written just a note that says, chess cheat, comma, up the bum. I don't know what the up the bum, I mean, you're just, you're just ugh, so childish with your up the bum and woodcock and everything. It doesn't really surprise me that you could find, oh, well, hang on. What, did he put something up his bum that helped, that helped him cheat? Well, this is the suggestion. Okay. So, I'm so, I find chess so boring. Yes. Like, past until it. you learn <laughs> yeah. that the way you cheat in chess, apparently, Potentially, according to Magnus Carlsen, the great world yeah. grandmaster number one, who refused to play against some guy who's 18, who I think is Russian, who admitted cheating once before. Carlsen can't prove that he's cheating. But Carlsen, we live in a world now where computers are better at chess than people. So the world number one, whenever beaten, will admit that he could be beaten by a computer and assume the person must be going to a computer. And this, this kid beat him and he thought, he claims to have thought, well, he was playing every single move he played was the move a computer would have done. It's computer chess, it's not human chess, he's cheating. How does he get the signal? Puts a sex toy up his anus, yeah. is the is what is alleged. And then controlled. someone in another room, because they get frisked for every kind of electronic, someone in another room is like playing the game on the computer and sending messages up his bum via this like rabbit or whatever they're called. Um, and I, A, I thought... Oh, I could get into chess. Uh, and then I thought, ha, ha, I, the only ones I've ever seen, and I haven't ever used one because I'm massively square, as you, you know. Uh, uh, how many programs do they have? I mean, they, presumably it's just fast and slow and a few different kinds of pulses. There's potentially <laughs> 78 billion potential chess moves. How do you, do you like keep, buzz, buzz, you're just looking there while your ass is going, buzz, 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 buzz. Okay, that's F. <laughs> Buzz, 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 four. So it's bishop, knight, four, two, queen, three. Buzz, 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 buzz. How, you've probably come halfway through that. Like, oh, oh. And then you go, and then if you didn't quite get it, do you? how do you go, oh, I didn't get that. And then it's buzz, 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 buzz. 
And I just struck me as fucking hilarious. It struck me, it, as you're describing it, it strikes me as like, why don't you just get better at chess? <laughs> like if you're like, ra- rather than kind of like think of all these ways to cheat, why don't you just apply yourself to just being better at chess? Or why don't you make it compulsory to have a thing up your bum while playing chess, which is constantly going <laughs> so that nobody can get in there and go, or do. what if you hacked up, what if you hacked this guy's bum uh, yeah. his, and then and told him to do other moves? So it was all going all over the place and he's got this, he's just got to get this thing out of his bum and he's, you know what I mean? I just, he could make, could make chess finally get back on the TV for the first time since the days of, you know, Karpov and, and, and Kasparov. And I am reading um, Ben McIntyre's book about Colditz at the moment and one of the things that they talk about quite a lot in Colditz is something called an arse creeper, which is basically an empty cigar tube that they stuff with um, maps and money for their escape routes. So I've just got to the point And they where, put up their bums. And they put it up Say their Say what bums. you like about the British officer class, but it's not afraid to put things up its bum. Yeah. And That's I'm, because I'm, public schools made this country great. I've just really had enough of thinking about men with things up their bums. Cigar tubes are long. They and they're them. long. They cut them in half, you idiot. Right. Oh, that'd be sharp. Yikes. You've been listening to Giles Corran Has No Idea with me, Giles Corran. And me, Esther Walker. It's a wireless studios production for The Times, produced by Ben Mitchell. You can listen to us on The Times radio app or download from wherever you get your podcasts. To find out what I wrote about in the end, you can pick up a copy of The Times or get a digital subscription. And by searching thetimes.co.uk forward slash Giles Corrin has no idea, you can access a special offer just for you. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Want truly hydrated skin? Meet Osea's Body Care Breakthrough Hyaluronic Body Serum. It's clinically proven to increase hydration by 161%. It's lightweight, fast-absorbing, and delivers 24 hours of hydration for silky smooth skin without any sticky afterfeel. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order with code SUMMER at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com code SUMMER.